Welcome to Wealth Stories, a brand new podcast brought to you by London Capital, offering straight talk and clear thinking around stories of wealth. Every episode, Robert Paul is joined by an expert from London Capital and a special guest to share their experiences and insights around topics ranging from divorce to the psychological effects of coming into wealth. Welcome to this episode of Wealth Stories. Uh, my name is Robert Paul. I'm a partner and head of the US Family Office at London and Capital. And I'm delighted to be joined by Stephen Daltrey from Stephen Daltrey Elite Coaching. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, and our very own Simon Reid from the Private Medicine Office. Thank Hi, you. Hi, Simon. Hi. Nice morning. to see you again. Good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> These days of lockdown, hybrid working. Um, and today, very aptly, on a podcast called Wealth Stories, we're going to talk about wealth and success, but the psychological side of it from a human side and also from a financial side, as much as what one should do. So maybe, because hopefully people listening know who London and Capital are, uh, but they may not know who Stephen Daltrey is, heaven forbid. Just give us a a background yourself and and, and how you got into this and and why you talk about it. Sure. Many thanks, Rob. So uh, I actually began my career as an officer training in the Royal Navy, which was quite interesting, but moved into the sort of leisure sector quite quickly after that. Uh, Had roles like sales and marketing director for a transatlantic airline. European sales director for Mulberry, the luxury, yeah. luxury goods. I was very popular with my wife in those yeah, days yeah, with all those yeah, free yeah. samples. Uh, but I have to say, Rob and Simon, I fell apart quite early in that career. I didn't know what was going on. The walls were caving in. So I went into therapy and I found that really incredibly useful. So useful, actually, that I spent four years training as a person-centered counselor and five years as a gestalt psychotherapist. And during that time, I had to continue my therapy. So I had 12 years of weekly therapy and six years of group therapy. So within that process, then I got to learn a lot about myself, but also the process of enabling people, if you like, to self-actualize, to actually understand what makes them happy, what makes them ticks, and make good choices in their lives. When coaching emerged in 2000, I moved into coaching. I coached entrepreneurs, senior leaders in many of the world's leading organizations. Um, I've run the music business recently, which is great. So I work with creative artist managers, um, and really helping people as I say, who are successful, to understand about success, but more importantly about wealth, because as we know, yes, there are many benefits, but also many challenges. Yeah. Anyone who has a misfortune of spending too much time with me knows that the psychological side of wealth and success is a huge area of interest for me. So I'm really looking forward to talking through this. And Simon, you're going to be pitching in from the angle of those of us who have the, the, the job of helping people look after that wealth whilst it's being made or once it's being made. You know, we were talking before we started recording about sometimes it's not a lot of sympathy for the, for the challenge of people who've got wealth. But in reality, you know, it comes as many problems as it does opportunities. It does. I mean, you, you could argue sometimes it creates, well, different problems. And I think probably stretches people or takes people to different places emotionally, psychologically that, yes. that they may not have realized before, yeah. particularly as they go through that process of starting a business uh, building their wealth, and then at the end of that, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about those different stages. Uh, it demands different skills, different mindsets, different habits, and uh, we're fortunate enough we kind of have a front row seat, or not quite, maybe second row seat, uh, working with our clients through all of that, so we get to to see all of that ourselves. Right, so, and what we're going to do, you stole my thunder, is we're going to um, break it down to four segments if we can. Pre-success, pre-wealth, is there a, is there a mindset, is there a a background which leads itself to the type of people who end up being successful, or is it potluck, graft, etc. Yeah. 
uh, which obviously, Stephen, this is going to be more, more focused on around your experiences. Yeah. Then we're going to go into the process of those who are making wealth uh, and are in at the deep end, you know, the duck, the swan, whatever the analogy is, you know, calm on the surface, not always calm on the surface, but hectic underneath. Um, then it is, you know, the point at which it's been made. And, and this can be, you know, the, the entrepreneur who sold the business. It could be the, the exec who's finished uh, the career. It can be the, the inheritance that suddenly come in. And then if we have time, we might touch on if you lose it. I'll caveat that by saying, obviously, we have zero experience of that. I'm done in the capital yeah. wealth management. Yeah. Um, uh, hypothetically speaking, yes. uh, Steve, we'll come back to you on this for other services, yeah. other financial service providers you've obviously worked with um, in the past. And let, let's start by, I'm going to throw, the, throw this over to you, Stephen. You know, is there a model? Is there a type of person? Is there a background to people who have this desperation, this need to be successful? And success isn't all about money. No, for sure. And I think you mentioned it earlier, Rob, it takes all types, doesn't it, to be successful. Uh, if I can give a story of a client who, uh, who sat down with me and said, uh, I'm incredibly stressed. I said, oh, okay. And they said, I have to be a success. It's important to be a success. I have to be a success. So I said, oh, okay, how come it's so important to be a success? He said, sorry. I said, you know, how come, you know, you're stressed? Oh, I've never really thought about that. <laughs> so, so I think, you know, self-awareness and self-knowledge and understanding why is this stuff important to you? It is crucial to, to sustain you on the journey. Now, in exploring with this particular client, the family environment was one about you have to be a success, you have to make money, Was uh, had, had siblings and there's a lot of sibling rivalry. So naturally, as a young child, decide the way to get on in life is to be a success. But actually what we can do is become a version of ourselves. So in my background, reasonably harsh environment, I decided to please people. So some people are successful, make money. Some people decide to be pleasers. Some people set the bar 120%. Some people work hard, nothing wrong with that. But if it's the only tool in your toolkit, you can come into trouble. So I think understanding how come is so important to you and actually is that fulfilling the whole of you. In this particular client, I, I suggested, um, had you been born to California hippies, do you think it would be so, still so important to you? And the answer came back over time. Probably not. Is it a similar concept to that of significance? You know, the easiest way to describe it is you look around your group of friends. Yes. Uh, there's the funny one. There's the successful one. That's right. There's the, the, the comedian. Yeah, there's the, right. the one who's always on time. Yes. You know, whatever the one, the fashionable one, whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah. Obviously, I'm none of those four things, but um, <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still trying to work out what mine is. But um, it's a similar concept, I imagine. It is. That, you know, it is. The, there are ways by which people define themselves. Yes. And, and sometimes it is this absolute desire. They have to be successful because that's what they think. Is to find it. It's the answer. Mm. You see, the problem is, are we listening to the same music and wearing the same clothes we wore 30 years ago? Mm. Many people make that decision at about three or four years old, okay? The way to get through life is to do this. And they go down that path, but 30 years later, it may not be quite so relevant for them. And so to have true success and true wealth and enjoy it, you need to have that balance of really, who am I today? And is that still what I want to do? Or how do I blend it with, with the person I've become today, with my values and beliefs? So you need to up upgrade yourself effectively yeah I, th I think you know to re really understand that that was a great idea and took you forward you know what got you here won't get you there sort of thing but really today in the here and now is this still relevant for me maybe, maybe it is maybe mm. it isn't or is there more to me to live a more well-rounded life so that I if you like on the headline pursuit of money and success I don't trash my relationships with my partner with my children with my colleagues and things like that so they're all about balance, isn't it? And you find that you know, the barometer shifts. You know, I, I always use the, again, the same 
concept of this is, you know, when, when people often believe that the pay rise is really important. Yes. You know, and the pay rise yes. will fix their non-enjoyment yes. in whatever career yes. it might be. That's right. And we all know that once you have two or three months of that new paycheck, <laughs> it's now the normal paycheck. That's right. And the same problems that exist. Right. Right? That's right. So the same is true, let's say, where someone wants to earn one pound, right? And then yes. they earn one pound and they think, well, one pound's nice, but two pounds nicer. Yeah. They earn two pounds. Well, two pounds are great, but four pounds would be really great. And the perpetual, it's like me looking for a house online. If only I had half a million more, if only I had a million yes, more, I can right. buy the house I really that's want. Right. Um, and yeah. you, might, you must see that. You know, that must be something. Indeed. And, and, and again, I coach wealthy clients who can never get enough as such, you know, and they never get that sense of fulfillment. Often what people do is they, they, they live externally referenced. Mm. Think of social media, for example. I was going to say, this must have been exacerbated. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Particularly for young creators, for example, in the music industry yeah. that Simon works with and I do as well. But for all of us, you know, being externally referenced, comparing ourselves to others and losing, if you like, connection with our own ability to make our own choices, to say, actually, that choice is okay. My clothes are okay. I'm okay. So really, again, this the journey, I think, of, of supporting people is to get them to connect to themselves and their needs and, and as I say make a choice today rather than based on old decisions or based on what everybody else is doing you know look inside rather than look outside so, so how do you when you're working with your clients how do you help break that cycle that sort of vicious cycle of okay I've you know, moved to London I've got a, a good job yes. um, you know got married kids bought a house and I've upgraded yeah. and as you're talking about Rob that friendship group yes. is you know kind of in the same thing the whole keeping up with the Joneses yes, type of element and then perhaps you get to a certain stage of thinking Do you know what I'm burnt out I'm stressed that's right uh, I'm paying a, a whopping great mortgage um, you know all my money's going on yes. bills and that sort of thing um, it's not you, Simon, we're talking about. It's here, not me. Yeah, just, just to clarify, you, 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 you went into a zone there, Simon, where I thought, like, Christ, we've got into something. <laughs> I thought this was a personal session. <laughs> <Yeah. but>, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, how, do, how do you work with those type of guys? I mean, it's almost midlife crisis, really. Yeah, I think it is. It is. And, and, and if you think about our values, for example, our value, values are our moral compass, aren't they? They're our guiding principle of life. Look at Ukraine right now and look at history, throughout history. People have been willing to die for their values. So, so beginning to help people understand their values and their beliefs, the things that are driving their behavior, driving their choices. And if you can help them to understand them, then they may have a more accurate uh, picture of what actually fulfills them and how they want to live their life. So it's really, again, it's that, that pulling out of people and helping them to understand themselves more, in my experience. And then they can make better choices and feel more in control as well. And so the question on that is then, do you think that these people would be successful regardless of this or you know so so one of the things you know yeah. sometimes i have is like if i don't continue to do what i've been doing that's that's made me you know, a modicum yes. of success that's right then i won't become successful yes um you know th th this must be a constant yeah, barrier self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. to a certain extent isn't it really but the problem is people can get on a hamster wheel and then life can become meaningless because you're repeating the same and same experiences chasing that uh, the high, if you like. And of course, as we know, with an addiction, it, it's harder and harder to get the high, isn't it, really? And so yeah. people can get burnt out because they feel that they're on a relentless hamster wheel, constantly trying to beat the neighbours, earn, earn more money, do things. And again, it's really bringing them back to what's important to themselves. And the old saying is, it's good to talk. And just on the on the success point, that's very interesting because I think, I think a lot of people are redefining in their own minds 
perhaps post-pandemic, what success looks like, Indeed. or certainly if yes. you get to a certain age. Yeah, for sure. Um, or maybe it isn't the Ferrari, or the, yes, what, that's you know, right. maybe it's that's spending right. more time with the family, or you know, having nicer holidays, or yeah. whatever it might be. So that's quite interesting. I don't know if you've seen any of that in the last sort of two to three years, as people have been working from home more and perhaps looking at their life in a different way. So, uh, sorry, just to add on to yeah, that, you yes. know, I'm going to fire a question off the back of a question. Indeed. Is, you know, sometimes we can look for things that aren't there, you know, yeah. and I'm not saying Simon's not there, but the pandemic has caused people, yes. or was this there all along? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just been sliced and diced in a different way and we're attaching it to the pandemic or attaching it to Russia or attaching it to whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, ultimately, the cycle is the same. Yeah, indeed. Well, in fact, the, the pandemic's been one big coaching session as, right. as far as I'm concerned, because what it's forced people to do is to look at their crazy lives, fast paced life, you know, commuting, chasing around or whatever. It's forced everyone to slow down. And of course, as they start to slow down, they're beginning to connect their resources and think, actually, what is important to me? Who am I? What do I want? And you see, the only constant in life is change. Okay. So if we stay fixed, for 50, 60, 70 years on the same thing, we're not changing, we're not bending with the wind, are we? So as you mentioned, midlife or whatever, it's appropriate that actually at different stages in our lives, different things become more important to us. So we need to be flexible rather than fixed. And, and it, it really, the people that concern me or biggest problems, I think, are people who are stuck and fixed, you know, I have to be a success, make money. As I said, make trash relationships and, and everything else or ignore everything else. Uh, that's part of the quality of life. Yeah. So let's 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 move on. So let, you know we've talked a little bit about the framework to and the type of characters, but you know let's talk about the the people who are who are, who are building success and or wealth. You know the two are mutually exclusive. You know you can be a successful in a business which doesn't necessarily generate lots of wealth or any area or industry or a, whatever it might be. Simon, from from your perspective, you know what what are, what are the things that time poor, yeah. Um, yeah. you know people or families lean on us for, focus on, worry about when then they're at mechanism of building? Or is it just they don't have the time? Yeah, I mean, it's a very good question. Thank you. You can come <laughs> once again. <I> mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, perhaps I'll give maybe just a couple of examples. Just because we, we work with, with a broad range of clients, and I know we, Stephen and I, we met through the music connections. So perhaps if you take the example of uh, somebody who's in, in the professions, for example, so they might be, uh, a lawyer, uh, they might be working at the Magic Circle Law yeah, Firm, they yeah. become a trainee, if they get a training contract that's already a win, uh, it's so difficult these days, and then become associate senior associate, partner and so on and so forth and, and work their way up and that's that's a fairly well trodden path in that sense, there's a good visible path to what they're doing, so throughout that process if we're speaking to, to those individuals at an early stage it's about okay. You're thinking about you know doing all the tax efficient things you should be doing and, and and putting some money aside, building those good financial habits, and there tends to be quite a lot of buy into that, and 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 that's understood because they'll be working in a pretty much a vacuum. Um, they're just doing what they're doing. They're very busy, time poor, as you say. So if they can kind of hive off some of that responsibility uh, to us as, as discretionary wealth managers to look after the financial planning and the, the investments themselves. Um, that makes their lives a lot easier. Now, compare that to the more creative side. Yes, yes, um, so the, the, the music industry, all the creators themselves, actors, people in TV, theatre, and so on and so forth. It's a very different story. There's, there isn't that well-trodden path. And you can have five minutes of success and, yes, and, and a good degree of money, or you can have 
bits of success that you know kind of just in in blocks and pieces so you'll have these gaps in between where they might not be making money um and where they're they're, it may sound you know particularly those successful but struggling to get to get work that's a very common thing when i first started working with these types of clients you think oh you see them in the press and things they're always successful no they actually have to you know get castings and things like that so there it's 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 a bit different it's looking at okay well how can we create some some stability there in terms of their income streams financially exactly and you know be planning for the future and and you know again you know putting money aside and that sort of thing but it's a it's a it's a very different conversation and a very different mindset i would say both of those and there are other examples of course the the theme that runs through it are two things really and we've talked about uh sort of that satisfaction and wealth management it's getting your time back Mm-hmm. Um, they're very yeah, time poor and if sure. and if somebody else can help them with that then they're getting that time back it's very very important and the other thing is that there's that old phrase so they can sleep at night yes indeed. um you know they're not they know it's been taken care of they know that in whatever they're investing in it's not their their sort of mate who they spoke to down the pub or some industry person who said oh, we should throw it all into cryptocurrency or something like that they're investing in such a way that they're they're not taking more risk than they're comfortable with and so they've got that degree of certainty and, and satisfaction. So it's trying to, no matter whether it is a creative yes. or it's on the kind of more profession side or even entrepreneurs as well, you, know, you can be working very hard in the business, not actually taking much out for quite a long period of time. Okay. So it, it's, it's across all of those things. I think that those two basic points are made about getting the time back and being able to sleep at night. So, so, so on that, so the interesting thing is you were talking, so you know, in your lawyer example, where there's that predefined path, which I imagine could be, Stephen, you correct me on this, please, could be quite uh, reassuring in some ways. You know, your financial future is mapped out. Yes. You know where it's going to yes. be. Whereas the artist, you know, it's going to be feast or famine, perhaps, you know, whereby they, if they have one good outcome, it could, you know, sort them out for life or it could be a, a collection of chunks. So in many ways, is, is the artist in this example more prepared psychologically than the lawyer if something goes not to plan? Well, can I, can I explain a little bit of the theory, which actually the audience and yourselves might quite find quite interesting. So I'm going to give you two propositions, okay? I can only play when the work gets done, or I can play any time when the work will get done. So are you, I can only play when the work gets done, or are you, I can play any time when the work will get done? What do you think? Uh, I'm usually play when the work gets done. Yeah, that's after right. After the work gets that's done. That's right. That's... So I'm, I can play any time when the work will get done. So a creative, generally, it's, it's Myers-Briggs, basically, which is the oldest sort of um, personality instrument in the world, looks at the way that people organise themselves in their lives. And people who are more sort of lastminute.com, they call them perceivers, okay, who can play any time the work gets done, their attitude to money is pretty lacy fair. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there for fun, it's there to be enjoyed, it's there to be generous to other people. Something will turn up if I need Something it. Something will turn up, whatever. So that, that moving between the things... They're much more relaxed. Now, people with what they call a judging style, which is more, you know, lawyers, business people, accountants, professionals, those sorts of things, their style is actually I can only play when the work gets done and and I respect work, so I respect money, so I have to invest it, you know, right now, pension, invest in education, whatever, and then I can spend it on the frivolous things. And so it's quite amazing how the way our brains are wired will affect the way that we actually operate with money. Yeah. Right, so... You know, the exec, the person going through that system. So let's say, let's move on to 
the person who has, you know, in, people can't see me, inverted uh, comment, made it. They've arrived. Right. And, yes. and, and that comes in many different guises. That career, that's the entrepreneur who ultimately yes. sells the business. It's inherited yeah. some money. It's yes. uh, divorced. It's yeah. whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is, you know, the, the gold at the end of the rainbow or however you want to describe it. Surely that's the easiest part. Right. We all know that's you, not you true, right? So, yeah, that's, we all know that's you not true. You would think yeah. so, wouldn't you? And again, another psychological concept I can share and the client experience as well. If you imagine a triangle, so the top of the tri- triangle, the word rescuer, then down the left corner, you were victim, and on the right corner, persecutor. So it's a triangle that goes rescuer, victim, persecutor. Now, this is a well-known dynamic that actually, when we rescue people, they end up persecuting us. I don't know if you or the audience have ever put a lot of effort into somebody and felt like you've been, I don't know, slapped around the face for your trouble sort of thing. I think we've all been there, haven't we? There's a story of a lottery winner. She won 148 million, gave 20 million to her family. You think they'd be pleased they don't speak to her anymore. I worked with a client, a corporate client, loved their organizations, flew around the world, worked uh, three, 365 days a year, never took a break, absolutely loved the organization. I was asked to coach this person because they were seen as too interfering, too emotional, not detached enough, you know, getting in the way. Mm. Now, you can imagine how this person felt with that feedback. They were absolutely devastated because all they wanted to do was help. But I have to explain, you're trying to rescue versus empower. It's a bit like, you know, feed a man for a day or teach a man to feed themselves. So so when you've got the wealth, you may feel like being generous, particularly those creatives we discussed earlier. But actually, you help people by empowering them and you'll get a better result for yourself because you may end up feeling persecuted if you just flash the cash as such. And, and do you think it changes whether you've made it yourself or you've come into it? Right? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, you see, the thing about coming into it is <laughs> you a whole world of problems. Everyone sits there thinking, when I win the lottery, all my problems will be over. And there, there are four stages of change. The first is denial. So the first stage is, this is not going to change me. The second stage is called resistance. This is the sticky bit. There's anger in there, actually. There's resistance to the, to the change. There is stubbornness, unhelpful feelings. And people can get stuck at this stage. Eventually, there's exploration. People start to think about the new possibilities. And again, getting help from you guys and, and someone like myself perhaps might help them to explore what they can do that's positive and eventually commitment. So it goes denial, resistance, exploration, commitment. Those are four stages to change. So people with instant wealth inherited it, won it or whatever, uh, will go through those four stages and people go at different speeds. Yeah, and from our side, Simon? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, we do deal across the spectrum. So either it's an entrepreneur selling a business, as you say, or, or divorce, or perhaps inheritance, that sort of thing. But on the, what's quite interesting, I find, when you have an entrepreneur selling a business, is that they've spent years putting their yeah. blood, sweat, and tears yes. into it. Um, I'm generalizing, but they may have, you know, sacrificed a lot of family time and Indeed. that sort of thing. And their, their entire identity, or a large part of their identity, is, is tied up in that business and then all of a sudden yeah. they're going from <laughs> from that to it's you know it's gone yeah you know, uh, who am i <laughs> who, who am i yeah um, sure. and what am i going to do with my time yeah and it it is a you know we we have to when we're working with those clients clearly we're looking again going back to being agnostic and looking yes. at things subjectively yeah. and working with them to to exit that business at an early stage and then everything after that but it's incredibly important to remember this is an emotional time. Mm. They're not robots. They're not looking Indeed. at it in that way. It's it's very emotional. Yeah, and we touched on this in a, in a, in a previous episode, funny enough, which was covering uh, divorce. Right? And uh, and one of the things that comes up, I'd love to hear both opinions on this. Is suddenly, you know, it's very hard. 
that for for someone to keep this wealth a secret, mm. you know, even if they want to. Yes, right? we discussed this previously yes. about yeah. the lottery winners. You know, why do so many of them go public? Because it's easier for them to go public themselves. Yes, than it is for other people to find out through the grapevine. I read that, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm nicked that example. <laughs> I'm not some fan of that. You know, they come into this money and it's hard to keep a secret, and so everyone else knows they've got money, yes. and so all of a sudden. You know, you know, whether it's the, the long lost family who come yes. out of the woodwork, yes. yeah. whether it's every, you know, everyone they've ever known suddenly is starting a business and could just do with some money to help, you know, if only they knew someone who had some money, you know. Yeah, indeed. And I've sat down with clients who all sort of, you know, every week there's a new investment idea, which usually involves yes. the client putting a lot of money in, yeah. taking all the financial risk, um, for a fraction of the upside. You know, and, and actually there's an emotional, obligation if you like they feel they should help because they can and the friends won't talk to them and you know from our side i would say make me the bad guy yes yeah make yes. me the bad guy yes. take away yeah. that issue i don't know if you, you've come well their, their entire relationship with the people that they know changes yes indeed. and it can yeah. change overnight and it can be very difficult and mm. very hard for people to say no and then they they, they either feel like a very bad person for, for saying no or they're made to feel like yes. a bad person yeah. and also i think tied in with this that a lot of people have certain beliefs about money yeah. um, or limiting beliefs, or they might feel that uh, they're not worthy of it. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. And that leads to you know certain behaviors off, yeah. off the back of that. Yeah, it's pretty difficult to deal with. Um, but as you're quite right, right, Rob, the best thing to do is say, you know, we'll be the bad guy. But doesn't mean that outside of that circle of our relationship with them and whoever's talking to them, they'll probably approach that individual you know, on a, on a personal basis and still be nipping away at their heels for whatever it is that they want. Yeah. It's very, very tricky. Yeah. I mean, I would say we don't have to do things alone. You know, like you're saying that the, the entrepreneur is driven and driven and driven to succeed, which is fantastic, but they've probably done that on their own to a certain extent and getting help from guys like yourself and myself or whatever, particularly in advance of that sale and the change can be very useful in terms of preparing them for that onslaught of all the hands out, all the hangers on, all the people <laughs> want them for more than just who they are, you know? And so preparation is important and it's very good to talk. Stephen, have you noticed that it makes a difference whether people are on their own, are with partners, have you know, a big family support network, are already part of a wealthy family, yes. you know, are not the first person to make wealth. Yeah. You know, does that change? You know, I'm, I'm, the answer I'm assuming is yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you'll know more than I, you know, the, that uh, with three generations of wealthy families can lose the money, can't they, as such. And so, you know, it's very important actually that families get support to create a, a vision going forward to understand what are our shared values and make sense of what, what the inheritance, what money means to them. And there are certainly stories of, of people at uni who've got a lot of wealth who are embarrassed by it, hide it, you know, even shamed or feel guilty about it as well. So how do we make people or enable people to feel comfortable around being wealthy? And this, the, the, the secret to life is acceptance. It's once you begin to accept yourself, life's a lot easier because if you accept yourself, you can begin to accept others as well. So I really encourage my clients to accept yourself and accept your situation. Yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting concept of acceptance. I haven't thought of it in that sense from our world but i suppose in in the wealth management world there's a preconceived this is what you have to do if you make this money you put it in that structure yeah, and yeah. you say you plan and often people sort of go along with it you know because that's what they're being advised you know yes and actually 
you know, I don't use the term acceptance, but often you sort of say, well, why are you doing that? Yeah. Well, I know that's the A1 of, I call it the A1, you know, I have this, people can't see it, I have this, this barometer, two ends of the spectrum, you know, A1 planning, which is you do everything financially as the rule book says. And then you have the other end of the spectrum is you, you flick the last pound to the coroner as you keel over, you know, and I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend the latter. No, you know, it's no. also quite hard to time. Sure. Um, but, uh, sure. but also, you know, the A1 planning, for most families, is not right yeah. uh, because it will mean they can't actually do what they want to do and that they're being taken out of the bar. So, so the acceptance is, I suppose, in our world, yeah. Simon, yeah. is a similar version of that. It's a really, really good point, this, because <clears throat> a lot of the work that we do is around, okay, what are the, the client's objectives and, and so on and so forth. And often, as you say, some of these clients, they'll say what they think they're supposed to say yes. or, or maybe yes. what somebody else has told them, a yeah. well-meaning friend or family Indeed. member. But actually, it's our job to really dig down, okay, what really do you want to do? Mm, mm. Um, you know, do you want to start a charity, do something philanthropic yeah. and, and that yeah. sort of thing, as opposed to just, you know, building a pot of money for, you know, what? Uh, or you, you might have a, a, you know, a trust that's been set up to benefit certain members of the family and you might not actually want that to, <laughs> yeah, to benefit, you know, right. it's, it's, um, so it's, it's incredibly important that yeah. we do that. And I suppose the way we do that is just getting as close as we can and building that relationship so that they feel that they can open up, which yes. is easier said than done. Some people are more willing to open up yeah, than others. that's understandable. So let's, so let's move on. I'm conscious of time. Yeah. Losing it. Yes. Right? Yes. Now, I, I joke that obviously we never uh, experienced this, but funny enough, we do. You know, people can make up, can have a lot, a lot of money, have, lose a lot of that, have less money, and in the grand scheme of things, we'll still, we'll still be deemed to be very wealthy and obviously clients of, of ours, but can't live the lifestyle they've had before. Mm. Right? And, and that becomes a pretty uh, narrow tightrope to walk for us, um, to make sure that they understand this, right? Because there's even worse having no money at all, right? Um, so we have to protect them from themselves in many ways in terms of spending, et cetera, Simon. Yeah, you're quite right. I mean, it's, I think on that and about establishing a baseline. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what could they not live without? What level of income could they not live without? How many houses could, could they not? Yes. All, all those sorts of things. And then I think you can then build from there. And then look, giving them, being very honest actually in saying, you know, if you're looking across the piece, okay, they might have some, something with us. They might have some risky things that they're doing elsewhere. And to say, okay, well, look, the, the likelihood of, you know, this part of your overall assets going pop is probably quite high, for example. And, um, so you should just have that expectation, sort of setting expectations about, about their wealth. Uh, but it really comes down to establishing that baseline, I think. But it, as you mentioned earlier, Stephen, uh, in terms of losing large amounts of money, that yeah. classic phrase of shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves yeah, in, in three generations yeah. and so on. And you quite rightly point out that, when you're with that, it's all about that governance, that family governance. And from a more practical side of things, for us, you know, I will be suggesting to clients, you know, bringing your your children in to some of these discussions yes, yeah. so, so that they can know. And I had one client, and um, he, and he said to me, "Well, my 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 children know that we're wealthy. You know, they they know they they know the car we drive. They know that they you know can see the house that we live in and that sort of thing." But you'd be amazed. They, they just don't have a clue at all because they might see that. But then yeah. there's a whole, you know, layer but below that. And if all of a sudden they're exposed to that in a very short period of time, that will, you know, could potentially be quite a shock. Yeah, to indeed, them. absolutely. Um, and then you're looking at, and if you haven't put put things in place around that, you could have the classic example of, you know, little Jack. Uh, 
blowing everything on, yeah, a, on a fast yeah, car and, and, and you know holidays and parties yeah. in Ibiza and all that sort of thing. Um, so it's very important for us to kind of get ahead of that and also educate that younger generation mm. coming through yeah. um, when, we, when we're talking about families so that they're, as I talked about earlier, building those financial habits yep. early. Um, they're able to get their their head around all this stuff yes, um, over a period of time and hopefully therefore make some sensible decisions so that you know they can then pass on to the next generation and it breaks that that old rule if you like that cycle a, yeah a cycle absolutely yeah. And also I think people who lost a lot of money yes you know yeah indeed so when I work with artists for example I, I help them identify what's their personality as an artist but but who are they separate to be an artist I think it's the same thing mm. who are you without wealth you know if wealth defines you then you can go, you know, only go into a room because you're wealthy but actually, it's about building up your sense of identity and accepting who you are separate to your wealth so that you understand that you are a person of value and other people will value you as well separate to your wealth. Mm. Uh, and remember, I talked earlier about an external reference because clearly there may be some shame, embarrassment or whatever, losing your money in front of your friends. But actually, if you're more internally focused, you know that actually you're okay. And if people fall away... That's their choice, but you're okay yourself. Yeah, no, I fascinating. Well, look, we can talk about this for hours, but uh, unfortunately, we can't. Um, uh, such, such is the nature of uh, of these podcasts. Uh, so, thank you both so much uh, for coming on. I think the reality is um, that wealth, success comes with you know, all sorts of psychological yes. and financial yeah. aspects to it. Yeah. Outside of you know, in my world, the A one planning uh, or what what we're told we should be doing, what one is told they should do, yeah. how one should feel. And I think that's something that, you know, the more the industry explore it and, and accept that, uh, the better the outcome is going to come for families who are fortunate enough. Should I be saying that now? After this, we're fortunate <laughs> enough to have wealth. Um, yes. Who have wealth. I'll say the fortunate out of it because it's not always fortunate. Thanks so much, both of you, for joining me. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for the opportunity to join you. Thank you. Pleasure. Subscribe to the series to hear personal stories, learnings and discussions around real life cases. It's an investment you won't regret.